Welcome to the University of Coruscant. As part of your enrollment here, you have access to the attached Holonet recording. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on Ancient Sith. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on Naga Sado. If you have any questions about this lecture or wish to contact us, please visit universityofcoruscant.com. Hello, students. I'm back in Coruscant. I'm in my office steam tub, and I'm bummed. I know this probably isn't the best mood to be in before recording a lecture, but I had a lot riding on Tontonado. Emotionally, I mean. Actually, I don't mean that at all. Financially and emotionally and everything. This holodrama was supposed to put me back on top, but that set was a disaster. None of it made any sense. As far as I can tell, everyone except for me died, and I'm not even sure how the whole thing got wrapped up. I think the Tauntauns may have escaped the planet? I don't know. In one of the last scenes, I was riding one into battle. I think he might have been my friend. He was your apprentice, sir. His name was Tommy. Tommy Tauntaun? Tommy Tauntaun that I was riding was my apprentice? He sometimes went by Tom. Tom, 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 you, you know what? I don't care. When does that speeder wreck of a hollow even come out anyways? It came out last night, sir. I already reserved my copy, but I haven't had a chance to watch it. It was on the first screen of hollows to download, which is always a good sign. Well, that won't last. I'm in no condition to lecture to a crowd. You know what? I'm just doing the lecture from right here in my steam tub. Todd, can you get my notes and send a message that I'm not coming to class today? Post something that says I'm in my office researching my next role or some other lie. Okay, but I want my seat in the tub back. Fine. <sighs> Who'd have thought that Mon Cal's would like steam tubs so much? Beats a junkyard hollow set, though, I suppose. Thank you, Todd. Let's see. Ah, yes, this is a good one. Nonetheless, not worth getting out of the steam tub today. Let's begin. I think Todd can appreciate this. Sometimes you're a big fish in a small pond. Life is good. And the pond you're in is pretty much your playground and things are easy and safe. The problem is that sometimes you hear about other ponds with bigger fish. And maybe you've heard that those fish will eat you if you ever get out of your little pond. I guess those fish and you have a history and you used to be in a big pond with them, but they kicked you out. But you remember those fish and you know they're out there and you want nothing more than to grow legs or wings or something and find out if they're as big as you remember. You know what? This makes absolutely no sense anymore. Whatever. I'm in a steam tub. Here's the story of Naga Sadao. Naga Sadao was born on Zyost in the ancient Sith Empire under the rule of Marka Ragnos. Now, I realize that Ragnos was eight lectures ago, but in very brief synopsis, the Sith were in isolation, having originated from Dark Force users who were kicked out of the party by the Jedi in the Great Schism. Those Force users land on Zyost, find the local red Sith race, and basically take them over. Because of a very difficult to navigate nebula called the Stygian Caldera, these Sith Lords could kind of run amok over this area of the galaxy, ruling over whatever they saw fit. 
Well, over a long enough period of time living with the Sith, these humans interbred with the local Sith, and you end up with a lot of hybrid human Sith. Nobody really judged or cared because it was just so commonplace. One of those human Sith individuals was Naga Sadao. Sadao had red skin and tentacles like a Sith, but also had really strong lineage to the Jedi, making him extremely talented in the Force. But no matter how strong these Sith Lords were, the whole Jedi thing really loomed over them. Everyone was a little bit worried that the Jedi were going to find them, see what was happening, and bust up the party again. Naga Sadao was constantly told these stories, and it really buried itself deep in the back of his Sith brain. As most supremely talented individuals do in a survival of the fittest type of system, Naga Sadao rose to the top quickly. He was trained by one of our favorites, the old bodiless master, the head in the jar himself, Lord Simus. Simus actually taught Naga Sadao when Simus still had a body before he was beheaded by Mark Ragnos. Well, Simus continues to mentor Naga Sadao even after Simus is just a head. I doubt very much that I'm going to show that kind of loyalty to you, Todd. I'm just saying, once I reach head in the jar stage, it's me time. So Sadao is on a 10-member Sith Council. Sadao, unlike a lot of other Sith Lords, was a true specialist. He was a master of Sith alchemy. He could create some pretty terrible things, and he loved to mess with nature. But that was just a tool. He planned on using that tool to achieve his true goal for the Sith, and that was expansion. Sadao wasn't satisfied with being that big fish in a small pond. Ugh, we are not going back to that metaphor. Sadao wanted to bust out, and more specifically, he wanted to take the fight to the Jedi. So when Marco Ragnos finally gave up the ghost, Naga Sadao saw his chance. Unfortunately, as we know, Marco Ragnos gave up the ghost literally, and when Naga Sadao was fighting Ludo Kresh for supremacy of the Sith, Ragnos shows up in ghost form and told everyone that the next leader was going to have to fight some key battles or the whole Sith Order was doomed. Kresh was extremely conservative, but we know that Sadao was already on board for the battle part, so this must have just emboldened him. And right at that very dramatic moment, a ship landed. Now, if this was just a story, it would be something spectacular, like a warning from beyond with battle-hardened Jedi coming out of the ship. But no. When it's reality, sometimes dumb things just happen. So who comes out of the ship? Two Republic fugitives named Gav and Jory Darragon, who took a blind hyperspace jump just to get away from some trouble they were in. And they say, hey, we're emissaries from uh, the Jedi. Yeah, that sounds important. We're those guys. We'd uh, like to set up a trade route. You guys ever heard of the Jedi? They're very important. You would love them. Keep in mind, this is at Marco Ragnos' funeral. Needless to say, they were immediately beat within an inch of their lives. The Sith Council voted to execute these clowns, but Naga Sadao thought this was too weird to be a coincidence, and he wanted to exploit the situation. So he stages a very clever scene. He assembles a team who steal the Republic blasters out of the ship, and then kill a whole bunch of Sith with them as they break out the Darragons. Sadao even shoots head in a jar Simus, his master, in order to make it convincing. 
Sadao leaves the blaster at the scene, too. Well, the Sith Council buy it entirely, and they are absolutely freaked out. Sadao steps up and says, I think it's time that we take this fight to the Jedi. Who's with me? Naturally, everyone is, and bam, Naga Sadao becomes Dark Lord of the Sith. Everyone except conservative Ludo Crash. Crash storms off with his followers, and bam, part two. Now Naga Sadao and Ludo Crash are at war. Naga Sadao makes some moves here that I have never been able to understand. First, he splits up the Darragons. Jory, the female, he hides away, but Gav, he trains, like full-on apprentice. Naga Sadao must have seen something in Gav Darragon that made him think that Darragon would be a good Sith? I don't get it. Why not just use him for information? I mean, he did that too, but why entrust yourself so much to this stranger, no matter how much force you sense? And historians don't ever speak of Darragon like he's some sort of chosen one. He's just kinda a washed-out Padawan. Naga Sadao does make a great Dejaric move here, though. Sadao captures that Republic ship from Kresh, and he brings it to his fortress. Then, when Kresh attacks the fortress, Sadao pretends he's really scared of Kresh's firepower, and he takes Jory Darragon and hurries her into the ship, telling her that he will try to protect her brother, who's totally not his apprentice, but she needs to get out of here or she's going to be tortured. Jory, of course, jets out of there immediately, leaving a beautiful trail of hyperspace, leading right back into Republic space. And just like that, Naga Sadao has a direction in which to point his hungry Sith army. Now, Kresh is just a loose end that needs to be tied up, so Sadao immediately takes care of this. He orders Kresh's forces into his own. Kresh himself flees, but cannot keep his mouth shut and keeps trying to rally the Sith against Sadao. Sadao orders his apprentice Gav Darragon to hit the mute button on Kresh's signal, but when Darragon hits the button, oops, a bomb next to Ludo Kress's ship explodes. This is, of course, a classic Sith move to make an apprentice further under your control. Make them do something that really pushes them down the dark path to the point that only you can guide them through it. It's like chapter one in the Sith Master playbook. But you gotta be careful picking your apprentice. In this case, Gav Darragon does not react like Sadao wants him to. Neither does he when Sadao says that he was tracking that Republic ship right back to the Jedi. But it's too late now. Sadao declares war on the Republic. Now, I don't know if Darragon was just a great actor or Sadao was just oblivious, but instead of being a little cautious after his apprentice's less than perfect reaction, Sadao goes ahead and gives him a Sith flagship. They assemble the fleet and charge into Republic space. Like with most unexpected invasions, things are going pretty well. Sadao basically goes right to Coruscant, home of our university and the center of the civilized galaxy. Darragon is doing his part as well, fighting successfully with his own fleet in another strategic area. Sadao uses battle meditation to seem like the Sith army is ten times as large as it really is, just covering the Coruscant skies. Things are looking pretty bleak for the Republic. But Gav Darragon, while fighting in a different system, runs into his sister, because of course he does. 
And because Darragon hasn't yet killed off those shreds of Jedi buried deep inside of him, he takes the flagship and heads right to Coruscant and points a big turbo laser right at Naga Sadao's battle chamber. The illusion is broken, the Republic rallies, and the tide has just turned. Just like that. Sadao is furious at the betrayal, and he demands Darragon fight him face to face in the Sith Meditation Sphere. Remember those Jedi shreds that still exist in Gav? Well, those go both ways, because Darragon is way too noble here, and he actually shows up to the fight, which is obviously a trap. Gav Darragon is trapped within the Sith Meditation Sphere. Naga Sadao sees very quickly that the Sith are in big trouble, and he needs to escape. Using his Sith magic, he causes a nearby star to go supernova to try to cover his escape and also vaporize his former apprentice, which it does. But right before Darragon dies, he gets the information of the Sith homeworld location to his sister Jory. Sadao limps back to Korriban, but once he arrives, he's met by enemies. Not the Republic, though, not yet. It's Ludo Kresh coming back from the dead. Actually, I shouldn't say that because Sith really do have a history of coming back from the dead. Ludocresh never died. He staged his death, and he hung back in Sith space, gathering power. So Sadao, staring down the barrel of Ludocresh's forces, tries to flee when the Republic blinks into space right behind him. Now, Sadao is in real trouble. His forces get chopped to bits almost instantly, and Sadao has only one choice, and it is a desperate retreat. Through some more Sith magic, he manages to escape with his one ship, filled with Masasi warriors. They end up in a very famous place, Yavin 4, and he conceals his presence and manages to hide for decades. While he's there, he practices Sith alchemy on his own Masasi warriors, turning them more or less into monsters. He builds a few Masasi temples, one of which becomes a Jedi temple later. Big mistake, by the way, do not do that. At the end of his life, Sadao figures the only chance he really has to make an impact is to put himself into stasis, where he stayed for centuries until a Jedi by the name of Frieden Nad wakes him up. Frieden Nad apprentices under Sadao until Nad decides that he's gotten everything that he needs from the old master, and then he betrays and kills him. The story of Naga Sadao seems, at a glance, like one of failure. But the Sith really didn't see it that way. You see, after the Great Schism, when the Jedi kicked them out, they became powerful and prosperous under Mark Aragnos. But they were still isolated. They weren't really eager to venture out into a scary galaxy. They were a little bit afraid. Naga Sadao proved that they did not need to be afraid. Sadao went right to the heart of the Republic and punched them in the face. If it wasn't for a poor choice of apprentice, the University of Coruscant would probably have a much darker logo. And the Sith knew it. Frida Nad knew it, Exar Kun knew it, everyone would come to know it. The Republic was going to fall eventually to the Sith. It would just take the right series of steps. And the Sith that stood up, willing to take that first brave step, was Naga Sadao. Todd, what is that sound? I am trying to soak my misery in peace. Go look outside the door. Seat's back. Fine. 
Just get the door. Um, let me check something, sir. Uh, sir, you might want to look at this headline. If it's about Tontonado, I don't want to hear it. I'd rather not learn how many synonyms there are for the word vomit. It's about Tontonado, but, well, I'm just going to read the headline anyway. Whatever. Unlikely smash hit, Tontonado sets hollow download record on opening day. Ravencourt's deadpan performance is a comedic masterpiece. What? This concludes your selected lecture from the University of Coruscant. For all questions or to contact us, please visit the universityofcoruscant.com. Hi, this is Dr. Sonny Ravencourt, and the legal droids behind me... No, I'm not going to say your names. They want me to remind you that if you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and leave a review or a comment. It helps us out tremendously, and it allows the university to continue to provide you the best in Star Wars history. Are you going to pay me for another take? Well, then I'm not going to do one. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com.